It pretty much took out the need to go to the library and page through books to find something. Who's complaining about that? Like, who says, I'd rather go to the library and spend a day looking for stuff instead of putting in a search and getting 20 references right in front of me that takes, you know, a minute. I, I choose the latter. Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. With the rise in AI, chatbots, and automation in marketing and sales, it can feel like we're losing sight of the person on the other side of the transaction. The businesses and entrepreneurs who prioritize human connection will win because humans crave connection. My guest today is a sales expert, author, and keynote speaker who's proved that a serving mindset in sales gets results. Harry Spate has sold millions in revenue, led teams that sold tens of millions. He's the author of Selling with Dignity and the host of the podcast, Sales Made Easy. In this episode, we're exploring how you can improve and optimize your sales process, leverage tools and technologies, and still prioritize human connection. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Harry Spate. But I'm super grateful to have you here. You know, I think so many of us forget the human in the sale. We get caught up with the numbers and the goals and the growth and the packages, but we forget that ultimately the whole goal is to serve that other person. Uh, and sales is a mystery to a lot of us. <laughs> so I'm excited to have you here to dig in. Um, in terms of coming into a sales conversation with the right attitude, the right mindset, are there things or perspectives that we should be considering before diving into a conversation around sales? Oh, well, first of all, Mickey, yes. And second, thank you so much for having me on your program. I love what you're doing. Um, you know, just helping us to hustle a little bit less and have a little sanity in life. Yes. I periodically need that myself. So like, periodically several times a day. So anyway, um, <laughs> the podcast was selfishly for me. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm getting, a, going to get a lot out of this as well. So I think the thing that people do too much on sales is they end up winging way too much, right? Because sales is really what it comes down to. Um, in business is where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Um, a lot of problems can go away with sales, you know, and if you don't have sales, you're going to have a lot of stress. I mean, that's just the way it works. So I believe it is extremely important. It's important in my own business and I will not go into a sales call blind and just say, well, I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be a salesperson. I don't want to come across salesy and I'll just, oh, and you're, you're talking to the person before you even get out of that weird funk that sometimes we put ourselves in. So we want to just be rehearsed, you know, be intentional, think through the p potential outcomes. It's not easy, but if we have a little cheat sheet even, um, 
that will help us to at least know what we want out of the conversation, what would be a good way to end the conversation, what would be a good next step. You know, these are things that you want to think through before you have a conversation with somebody. I mean, it's your business. It's the call is probably worth thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over the course of the lifetime of a client. So you want to put, give it your best is the way I look at it. I love that you mentioned the the lifetime of the client, because I think we get caught up in the first sale and we forget the third, fourth and fifth sale that are almost more important than the first sale. Right. Right. So I I love that perspective before going into the sale. You know, you mentioned having a a framework uh, being practiced and rehearsed. Is there a template or a step-by-step that everyone should be following or do we need to craft our own framework for prepping for sales? Yeah. I mean, there's probably a good template and my brain is saying I need to put one on my website. So for a landing page, <laughs> but yes, I mean, uh, so I think the, the first thing you want to do is go back to where your last conversation was. Mm. And this I, is, is a huge error for a lot of people in a sense of, let's say we, we have a conversation with somebody and they say they're going to review a proposal or they're really interested or whatever. Right. And we know that there's another opportunity there. So the first thing we want to do from the, that original conversation is set an invitation time frame, calendar invite, agree to a time when the next conversation will take place. Even if, you're not sure the person's really interested. This is a mistake. People say, I'm, I want to think about it or I'm going to give it some thought. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Just throw out the, how about we reconnect a week from today and just discuss where you are. It'll be a quick call and let's just put it on the calendar because otherwise this will slip away. And, you know, six months from now, I'll still be bugging you. So let's just kind of just address it and see where you stand. And then we can pave the way for the future at that time. How's that sound? Right. And they say, okay, it sounds easy enough. There's no sale, blah, blah, blah. Put it in the calendar. So everyone agrees. They put it in the calendar. You make the call. Guess what? They don't answer. And so now we go into, oh my God, we had this calendar invite. How rude they were. They ignored me. They ghosted me. It's over. Those people are jerks. And then we start thinking about it. Well, maybe they're going to give us a chance. Maybe I should send them an email. Hey, I'm chasing you. I was there on the call. You weren't there. And we lay guilt. Never do that, right? Just be super positive. Things come up. Things come up with us. I think I missed a call with you one time. So, and you were super gracious. Uh, So we want to be gracious to others. And then as we are going through this conversation, this is where the mistake is. We start laying the guilt, right? I was there. You weren't. uh, Something must have come up. Are you okay? Come on. Seriously, we're going to treat, we're going to ask someone like, are they okay because they missed an appointment? That to me is just pure guilt and nonsense. So they know they missed the meeting. They have the reason. We don't need to remind them. So let's just be polite and say something along the lines, in my opinion, is just say, I'm sorry about missing you earlier and just move on, right? Doesn't mean that they're to blame or I'm to blame. Sorry, we missed out earlier. Let's, you know, is there a chance we can get together later this week if we're sending an email? 
And and then we're saying we had such a great conversation last time. I wanted to pick up where we left off, if that's okay with you. So instead of saying, I want to just know where you stand and cut right to the chase, that's too aggressive in my opinion. And that's what a lot of salespeople do. And we're trained. People who are in sales are trained not to do this stuff. So if you're untrained, um, you can really just start start going with the emotion. And then that is just not, people don't want it. You don't want it, you know, as a buyer and neither do your prospects want that. So just get them back into the original place where you had a nice conversation. How's that sound as a start? Yeah, I think that's great. And I love the fact that you mentioned no guilt because we have enough guilt in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. you, but I'm as called regularly. Like it happens. <laughs> Parenthood, life, internet connections, storms, yeah. like it, it happens. And I think now in this digital age, we, we have to kind of depersonalize that as much as possible. And remember like we miss calls too. <laughs> it yeah. happens. Yeah. So there's no need to draw a ton of attention to it. It's not an opportunity to stick the knife in. It's like, let's just move forward. We have a chance to connect again in the future is it a go or is it not? That's yeah. it. When and the we're way looking, you oh. treat them at this point, yes. say they're really not ready to do anything, but people don't want to tell you that, mm-hmm. right? They just, they don't want to say, look, I don't really have the money for this, or I got 17 other things. They don't want to hurt feelings. I mean, some do, but in general, a lot of people who are ghosting don't, right? They don't want to be put in that position. So make it easy for them, in my opinion, right? Again, if you have your own opinions out there and you want to do things differently, you know, God bless you. It's just, I'm just saying what works for me mm-hmm. is that I look at that person, if they showed enough interest to have a conversation that they're in the funnel for maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, I don't want to wreck the relationship. They have enough respect to give me the time. We have some back and forth. Let's treat them right and build the, you know, make the long play here. Yeah. They're in that, almost that consideration phase where they're not quite ready to take action maybe, but it's better, I think, to keep someone in the funnel and nurture that relationship than it is to just take them out (laughs) and be like, all right, you're not a good fit. Goodbye. Even though they might be a good fit in the future, they need more time, a certain circumstance to happen. Maybe they need more information. Yeah. Um, but when we kick people out of the funnel like that, just both in marketing and in sales, I think we're, we're missing out on big opportunities, not just for that sale, but for how that person feels and talks about us to others as well. Totally. I mean, it, it, there's so much that we could just go on just on this topic. Like, for instance, there may not be enough trust to spend, say your product is thousands of dollars. Well, there's not, maybe there's just, maybe they don't want that right now. But is there something down the road that they will sign up for that's less that they can start to get to know you with a lower investment and start to feel good and start to feel part of your community and see the love you provide? You know, sometimes we want to start. It's like, I need to make some money here. And we we start off too high and just just let people be where they are and then, uh, you know, support them and they'll eventually buy from you if, if the need is there. Yeah. It's like, um, 
the purpose we use like entry point offers for that reason, right? It's mm-hmm. to get a small risk-free commitment from someone, whether it's time mm-hmm. or money, but that, that opportunity to kind of test the waters and oftentimes in sales, I don't know about you, but I've gotten off of calls where I didn't know it was a sales call and it turned into a sales call and like pitch slapped me with a $10,000 offer before right. I had any idea what was going on. But I, I like the idea of giving them that time and that entry point offer to really decide whether or not we're a good fit for that bigger opportunity later. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's really, again, in building this, are we in it for, and I think it's just perspective Mm -hmm. and we know, we know we want the money now, but the money will come if we do the right things. doesn't mean it comes on our timeframe, but the buyers, right? The buyers will buy on their timeframe and we just want a lot of them, right? The more we get in our community buying from us and you treat those people right, no matter where they are in the process. And then, you know, it's like two years from today, they may be your best client and spending all kinds of money. But in the beginning they said, no, not for me. I mean, I've done that. Have you done that? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Many times. Yeah. You know, it, the hardest part for me is that uh, patience and trust component, right? Where it's like, you trust yourself and you trust that things will work out the way it needs to, but in the moment it can be really tough to let go and of control of the conversation of the sale for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think there's so much out there that tells us that we need to be closing business. I hear this all the time. I need mm-hmm. help with closing. And, you know, I've written millions and millions of dollars worth of business over the years. I never thought of myself as a good closer. And and when people would say, like when I was running sales teams and they would say, well, Harry, can you go help me close this deal? I'm like, well, I'll go. I can't, I'm not much of a closer. I'm saying to myself, it's like, I don't even know what a good close is. And, you know, it's sometimes just supporting the person and then asking a question or something. It's like, you can't put that kind of pressure on you as the closer. It's got to come from the buyer and you can help the buyer buy, but helping someone buy when they don't want to buy that to me is the impression of a good closer. And that's, I don't know if anyone's good at that. That's reputable. Well, and we've already, we kind of spoke about this a bit earlier that customer lifetime is so important, right? The businesses that don't just have a bunch of sales and then die off (laughs) the businesses that continue to have sales and grow and scale are the businesses that can keep their customers long-term, keep them happy and keep them spending more. And I think, as you mentioned, being a good closer, isn't about knowing when you're ready to sell. It's knowing when the buyer is ready to buy more than anything. So it's, it's not about you. It's about understanding the customer and being there when they're ready. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. So when we're talking about sales, Right now in the world, the world is going crazy over things like chat GPT, over all mm-hmm. of these new technologies and AI and automation. And I think I know a lot of people are considering, okay, how can I start to automate my sales process and kind of disconnect from it? I don't want to be involved. I don't like sales. Now I can, <laughs> I can chuck it off to AI. Tell me your opinion on sales and AI and where it all kind of comes together. Yeah. I mean, if it's, first of all, my first reaction to chat GPT when I saw it, it was like, uh, was, uh-oh. Is this where 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, 1984 with uh, James Cameron. Uh, this is finally coming to being, you know, I'm going to see uh, metal people walking around and shooting at us and so forth. That was my first gut reaction, which is the fear thing, right? The fear of change, whatever part of the brain, the amygdala, whatever, that starts thinking like that. And then I said, well, is this going to just destroy authors? And I started feeling bad for the authors because you can literally write, write a book about something. And I saw videos of that and I said, well, there, you know, that's the end of authors. But then, you know, logic came back and reason. And I said, oh, maybe this is just a tool. And like years ago, you may not remember this, but there weren't computers really on everyone's desk. <laughs> I had to go to this building where there were books and in this big building, I think the word was library. You had to go into this little card file thing and look up books, reference books. And we have to sort through books after books to find something, a topic to write a school report or whatever. Today, back 20 something years ago, when AOL came into existence and search engines and whatever they were, Yahoo was one, and then finally Google. It pretty much took out the need to go to the library and page through books to find something. Who's complaining about that? Right? Who says, I'd rather go to the library and spend a day looking for stuff instead of putting in a search and getting 20 references right in front of me that takes you know a minute? I, I choose the latter. And so chat GPT, and I'm now a fan of creator.ai. Um, I'm not a reseller or anything, but these are out there. Jasper's another one that are tools, and we just have to get ready to use them without being, I feel like people will copy and paste and put in an email. And you know, you lose your identity when you do that, in my opinion. Thoughts? You know what? I had a flashback. I appreciate that you think I'm younger than I am because I had a flashback to being in school and sitting in my parents' basement rummaging through Encyclopedia Britannicas. Okay. <laughs> trying to do reports for school. <laughs> like realizing that it was out of date or like 10 years older than it and like the stuff right. had changed. And I'll never forget being so mad at my parents that our encyclopedia was out of date and I got like a bad um fart card because this my sources were too old and I just, uh, that made me laugh, but being able to have, you know, relevant up-to-date information just at the tip of our fingers at any time is a super powerful tool. And I, I agree. I think things like AI and, and machine learning, they're, they're a tool in your tool belt, but if you don't know how to use the screwdriver, you're going to end up with a lot of holes in your walls, mm. right? Like, yeah. I think that's the truth of it. So one of the the real questions that I have in terms of sales in particular is, you know, we've got these chatbots that are coming up, um, executing sales online. We've got um, automations and emails and things like that. Are there things in terms of personalizing and having good connections in our sales that we can use in those automated tools to have better conversion rates? Well, I, I, I think the, the human touch is still going to be of real value. Now we get, we're, we're all getting bombarded with content. Um, I have way too many friends apparently that want to send me newsletters. 
Um, I had to just put all of those into a nice little folder and just have them skip out my inbox completely. You know, you start accepting one and it's just, it's just too much. And I was listening to one of your podcasts or about the person who was talking about being in flow for two hours a day. And we, you know, you got to shut it down. Right. And I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but because of there being so much and we want to be top of mind, um, there's value in that. Right. Because I know so-and-so is always going to be there. I can go to a folder. I just don't want to go every day and see an email from that person. Right. And that that's me. Others will want to see an email every day from somebody. That's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that being di- there for different types of people is beneficial and knowing your tribe, right? Knowing your community, I think is super helpful. Um, I just got uh, like uh, you and I were talking about this personality test earlier. The person who put that out said, would you like to sign up for a weekly newsletter. I said, no, right. I didn't, I didn't agree to that, but weekly is better than daily for me or whatever. Right. So the point is the content is there. I think we're still trying to evaluate as to how much is too much. And if that ever needs to slow down, but the, the idea, like I'm pretty sure that if I went to any one of these and I, I've done this already, it's like create an email about selling with dignity. I've played with that and it's there. It's like, that could be mine. I could literally cut and paste, put that in and say, here is my uh, email sequence, create a sequence. I will probably do that with some adjustments, right? And put in my own Harry Spate, you know, my Harry Spate personality into this instead of just copying and pasting and being, you know, completely uncreative, uh, if that's a word. What's your thought on that? I feel like I'm going down too far. No, I love it because I think it it relates back to sales, right? I don't know if you've ever been on a call where someone read off a script to you, (laughs) but I sure have. I've been on podcasts where someone has read off a script, so... (laughs) But it's, it's, we've all had those experiences and it's so obvious. Like it really is. I think the other person thinks, okay, I can get away with this. I'm doing well. The truth is, no, we can, we sense it. We feel it, whether it's sales, marketing content, whatever you're doing. If somebody's being disgenuine or uh, reading off of a scripted, I mean, it reminds me back of like the, the 1990s, there were a lot of those video, like video marketing was just starting to come out. Mm-hmm. in a lot more presence online and, and especially on television, you'd get those really highly scripted professional videos from attorneys and things reading off a script. And they think that they're connecting because it's video, but it's not. And so it really doesn't matter the medium. I think if you're being genuine and yourself, you're, you're going to win over the audience if, if they're the right audience for you. Oh, that's a great point. This episode is brought to you by the Hustle Less Profit More Club the marketing solution for small businesses struggling to grow. Learn how to ditch marketing that doesn't work and create a no-fluff, high-powered marketing strategy that scales in the Hustle Less Profit More Club. This monthly business coaching program is designed for busy entrepreneurs and business owners who struggle to market their business. Inside, you'll learn everything you need to set proper marketing goals, prioritize your efforts, and grow your business. Head over to heymickeyanderson.com slash club to learn more. Now back to the episode. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking about videos and how that to me, I mean, you can fake video now, right? We can have a, an avatar. We can put in the content. We can have, a, you know, create like everything. Voice, everything. Voice. Yeah. And so it's, you know, okay. So that's going to be out there. Is that for you? And um, I just know that for the most part of the people that relate to the message I have, which is selling with dignity, it's going to be about people. I mean, when it's all about animation and bots, I mean, it's cute. I'm not saying it's not going to work. It's going to work for some, but where I feel like my business comes in is this conversation that we're having, right? If you're selling something that's several hundred dollars and you don't really need the conversation, a few hundred dollars or less, you don't really need the conversation, go have at it. But I think people who are going to invest again, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars are going to want to know what the person is like that they're investing in. I mean, they're investing in themselves, but who's helping them, right? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I, I hear this all the time. I work with a lot of coaches and consultants. And one of the big arguments they have about doing their own sales and doing discovery calls is I don't want to waste my time talking to people who aren't going to be a good fit. It just feels like such a waste of time to open up my calendar. And I always laugh thinking like, I bet they probably feel the same way, right? Like, is this a waste of time? And so I think there's a lot of due diligence that we have to do in qualifying our audience before we get into a conversation. Using that conversation with intention, right? Really understanding what the conversation, the point of it is, right? If you're saying it's a free call to talk about your strategy and then you're trying to sell someone, there's a disconnect there, right? Is this a sales call? Is this not a sales call? And, and we have to do our, our work and our part on setting up the buyer for the best possible experience more than anything. Agreed. Yeah. So, so is there a question in there? Did yeah. I, or am I jumping the gun? No, it's okay. I, I wanted to get okay. your thoughts, but I also wanted to know when it comes to qualifying an audience of so setting them up for that ideal sales conversation in advance, are there ways that we can tell if someone's ready to have that conversation? Well, y- yeah. I mean, it depends on where you are and so forth, but like, say it's virtual. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you uh, on my own experience, I bought from somebody who saw one of my posts and that person made a comment on my post. And then I asked to meet that person for coffee, right? That person was not selling. He just threw out a little bit of bait. And the bait was just such a great comment that that I saw the wisdom in the words. And I said, I need to talk to that person. And periodically I will do that. Right. I'll see someone who is, you know, that I'll just say I need it because something's going on in my life or my business or whatever. So I think there's that, that then we can, or we can see someone's post, we can see someone's comment and you, you can kind of say, Let's, I mean, are you up for virtual coffee is the line I'll use, right? Are you up to have a conversation sometime and just see where people are at. And I, it's not selling, but I know they're getting closer. And so I'm just continuing to make myself available and I develop relationships that way. And if anyone's listening, yes, that may include you, but it's, it's because I want to help serve you. And so, you know, this is the way that goes on. But also I'd say in 
networking and out in the community where you're having these conversations, you can pick up on the tone of where people are at and you can say, well, let's have a conversation sometime. I, I might have a couple of ideas and just kind of keep it at that and see where it goes. Right. But you don't have to sell on that first conversation. I think, especially if you have a higher ticket item. I love that. You hear, yeah. You hear the, the one call close kind of framework that if, oh, if you're not yeah. doing it in one call, you're doing it wrong kind of <laughs> perspective. And I personally like, I find it a little icky, uh, just because I, as a consumer, never want to get onto a call and have the other person assume that this is a one call close, right? Like it doesn't feel right. good. Never. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure it's not a one call close. Exactly. Right. I, you know, I've made mistakes where I jumped the gun and sold someone and realized shortly thereafter, we probably weren't a good fit. And maybe I should have taken more time to get to know this person and their problems mm. before I prescribed the solution for them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. So it's not just for the buyer. I think a lot of times for us, when we have services or we have in-depth things or complicated processes or whatever it might be, we have to do our due diligence too and make sure that they're a good fit, they're ready, and we can actually help them. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And if the, you know, you're talking about the wasting of time and I agree with that, right? If you, you feel like you need to talk to everybody, that's a waste of time. And you, I know you could go on and talk about your ideal client and understanding your avatar and where your best fit is. People who are not in marketing, I had to learn that. I mean, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know. So when the first time I heard about ideal client, I had to go back in my career and start thinking through that and say, have I always dealt with an ideal client? And shockingly, the answer is much closer to yes than saying I had no idea what I was doing. But today with all the help that marketing is providing for sales, uh, knowing your avatar, knowing the types of people that are your best fit is huge. So if you're in that pond, then you're not wasting your time nearly as much as someone who doesn't know which pond to be in. Is that, what's your thought on that? Oh, I love that. I think that's so accurate. Um, and the way that I look at it too, in terms of marketing and sales and the, the intersection, which can sometimes feel a little sloppy <laughs> for me, it's a marketing. The whole point of marketing is to set it up so that you can have the ideal sales conversation. So you've provided enough context, enough information, overcome enough objections, and you get them to a place where you're actually ready to have that conversation. And that that's kind of the way that I see it. Now, I'd love to dig into some of the tactical components of sales because I think this is where I, in theory, it all feels so good. And, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, I get it. Yes. And then you get into the call and the sweats start. Right. And the right. injections come and you're like, oh, God, yeah. they told me it costs too much. Right. 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 Like, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Are there things that we can do or ways that we can go about having these sales conversations to, to address those kind of uncomfortable topics or conversations? Yes. So the first thing, like we talked about earlier is to rehearse, mm. right? Is to know what you're going to say and, you know, say it, say the words, right? Get them out of your mouth. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I know, but you know, it's sort of like uh, practicing in front of a mirror before you go on stage. I mean, I do it when I'm speaking and yet, you know, sometimes we just, like we mentioned earlier, is we don't rehearse when we're doing something that's worth thousands of dollars, doesn't make a lot of sense. So writing it out and then even saying along the lines of where 
can they go with this? So they might say, you know, I, I just don't have the budget for now, or um, I've got a lot of things on my plate now, or whatever those thoughts are, right? Some will say their objections. I'm a fan of saying their concerns because I feel like I want to be on the same side and just say, what are the concerns they might raise? And when you do that, it just is a, I'm on your side now feeling versus, you know, it's you say this, I'm going to say this. You say what you say. I'm going to come back at you with what I say. And it's just like, I won. I'm the last one to speak. I won. And I used to be great at this. I used to be so great at overcoming objections. You couldn't say anything without me coming back with some kind of response. Doesn't mean I got all of those sales. So I I thought about that over the years. It's like, what would have been the case if I just sat there in silence and let them raise that concern? and showed like I really cared versus firing off an answer, right? So this is where I think the whole selling with dignity comes in is that we become a partner for the person across from us. So with that mindset, you know, we just take all the pressure off, right? Which is not easy, but what helps is breathing. And we do this, I know, I know, we do breathing without even thinking, right? But that type of breathing we do when we're making a call, we're nervous, is short, intense, it's not chill. Right? These are the layman's terms. Now, I know there's very technical things going on, but for the layman, we need to breathe. And even a simple tool like the box breathing method, right? Breathe in, count to four, hold it for four, exhale for four, repeat. Do that four times. That just just gets us like, hey, and then I start thinking about nobody's dying on this call, right? Not saving anyone's life. This is about sales coaching or this is about IT services or whatever it is, right? And I'm going to be there for the person. I'm going to take all the pressure off. I'm going to take all the pressure off and just relax. I'm not going to be in their face. I'm going to sit back and chill and just, you know, we're going to have a conversation and we're going to pick up where we last left off and then hopefully walk them down the path and say, what's their feeling on the last conversation we had when we were talking about this topic and bring them back into it and then go from there and, you know, things will take over, right? And you'll, uh, you know, your memory will kick in and, you know, do you eventually need to ask for the order if the time is right there? Thoughts? So many big takeaways there. My goodness. So I love the idea of practicing and thinking about all the potentials for the way the conversation should go and rehearsing those. Right. I, I love that because we don't often do that. We're like, okay, uh, I'll figure something out if they say X, Y, Z. But then in the moment you're yeah. like, oh no, I got to actually figure it out. I didn't practice right. this. I remember how hard it was for me to say $80,000 without like losing my mind on a call. Mm-hmm. And I had to practice mm-hmm. in the mirror saying yeah, those numbers so that I wouldn't start sweating profusely. <laughs> the other thing I love that you mentioned was the tactical silence. You know, we use that in, in counseling a lot and it's not to make it awkward. I think a lot of us fear silence, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a really important tool because it gives both of us the space and time to think and to process what's going on. And if someone has an objection and they voice it, sometimes they just need a minute to think it through and to really understand where it's coming from, whether it's perceived, whether it's real and, and what they want to do with it. Do, they, they might have a concern that comes up and they still want to take action, but they want to voice it and be heard as well. So I love that. The tactical silence for anyone who's afraid of having those moments, like get comfortable with the silence. 
it's glorious. <laughs> it is. And I know on podcasts, we can't really pause too much because people don't like silence on podcasts, but we, we what, edit those out. <laughs> what's, yeah, exactly. Right. But what you just said is, and I'm pausing there, right? Just notice how your attention picks up when there's a pause. What's what's coming out next? And when we stop and a person says, this is just not what I could do right now. And our first reaction is, oh, wait, well, and we want to say something immediately. Let it sink in. And if you count, I mean, I got this from Anthony Anarino. Uh, he's gr- awesome. Uh, anyway, Zen master, in my opinion. But he just says, count to four. Let that silence sink in. And if you can count to four, guess what will happen? That other person will want to continue so often. And that's where the real value comes in. And you you try this at, I mean, try this with your spouse. You try this. I mean, you just practice it. You're just having a conversation. As soon as someone stops talking, just count to four and see if they continue. And you'll be amazed at what happens next. That so aligns with the kind of the perspective you brought forward. And the way I visualized it was instead of it being like a sparring match, which can be hard when you're on Zoom, the screen's directly in front of you and you feel like you're kind of across the table yeah. going back and forth, tit for tat. But if you can visualize yourself sitting side by side with the person and allowing them space and time, it's a lot easier to have to be silent and to sit with someone when you're sitting side by side on their team than it is when you're across the table feeling like you have to go back and forth. So yeah. that's kind of the the way that I'm thinking I'm going to start to kind of visualize those conversations is okay. Yeah. You're in front of me, but I'm going to pretend like you're right uh, beside uh, me. And how can we have this conversation? All right. You just totally reminded me of something. I have to leave. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so visualization, this is huge in my opinion. And I, I created a team culture of this one time, which is smiling, happy customers, loving us. So whenever we would go into this stressful situation, I would say to the person on the sales team, I said, smiling, happy customers, loving us. That became a chant. I would, you know, just randomly, someone would start singing that and it just went throughout the office that we would clap our hands, stomp our feet, smiling, happy customers, loving us. When you put yourself in the situation and you say, I know this lady, this Mickey Anderson person, she's going to love me. We're going to have a blast. We're going to have, we're going to be friends for life. We're going to do great things together. And I know it's going to happen. And so I'm taking the pressure off completely. And you just see that happening. You see the handshake. You see, I'm so glad we have done this thing. And when you see all that playing out, it's it's amazing, I think, as to what it does for your own uh, mental health in a stressful situation. Instead of fearing how it might not work out, you just see the big picture like that. It reminds me so much of my daughter. My daughter's four. And so we have neighbors who have teenage kids. And then there's my daughter who's four and it was back to school. My daughter was going to school for the first time. And I asked her, I was like, are you excited? What are you, what are you thinking about school? And she's like, I'm excited. Everyone's going to love me and I'm going to make lots of friends. And I was like, 
I want to feel that way when I go into a room. And then I remember talking to my neighbor about his, his two daughters were going to high school and they were both feeling really stressful and anxious because they were worried about the clicks and fitting in and making friends and just that shift in mindset. I can imagine the way you walk into a room, the way you have conversations, the way you approach new people shifts so much. And I, I like that kind of mindset shift of, no, no, everyone's going to love me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it works everywhere. Mm. I mean, you know, you're sitting in your car in uh, before you go into a network event for the first time and you're going to talk to strangers, you go in with people are going to love me, right? I am for crying out loud. I am Mickey Anderson and people love me. And I've got a list of people that love me. And I know these people are going to love me. And then you just walk in with totally different than, uh, will anyone like me? No, you've built up a history of people loving you. So yes, people will love you. So we just need those reminders. And I think that whole visualization thing, um, where you are constantly like, you don't have to go far in my house to find something that says, um, you know, you're successful, you're a winner, whatever. Right. It's just those reminders is what, you know, anyway, they help. I think I have one right literally on a court board right in front of me. It's so yeah. true. I think if you surround yourself, with pot, you have to remind you, we all need those reminders, right? Yeah. The world is stressful and inundating. And sometimes we just need to pat our own backs. <laughs> we do. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Big takeaway for me today was really taking the pressure off and approaching conversations with, with just that kind of fun, lighthearted conversational attitude going in prepared, obviously, and, and practiced, but not with a like do or die must make the sale kind of a perspective, more of how can I serve this person with where they are now mm -hmm. in the best way possible. So that for me was the big takeaway. And I'm sure the listeners gained a ton, the, the, the pauses, the silence, the prep in advance, the seeing that other person, personalizing the messages. There's just so many great takeaways today um, for our listeners who are now ears tweaked and ready to go, wanting to learn more about sales, selling with dignity and, and having those really impactful conversations. Where can they learn more about you, your framework and your systems? Yeah, you can go to sellingwithdignity.com and there you can actually choose, uh, you can pick a Calendly and we can schedule a call and I'll help solve a sales problem, right? So if you're running up against a wall and you're wondering, well, what is it you're doing wrong? Let's discuss how we'll figure out, you know, we'll role play. And I want to hear what you're saying and seeing, you know, is the person, are you to blame? Do you have the right potential buyer or is the person just being nice to you? There's so much to go on here. And we, you know, sometimes just having another set of ears hear what you're dealing with can be really helpful. And I'll be happy to help. I love that. Anyone who is doing sales themselves has someone on their team or maybe multiple people on their team who are selling, be sure to pick up a copy of Selling with Dignity. It will absolutely transform the way you and your team approach the sales and the results you get from those conversations. So make sure to pick that up. I'll have a link in the description. Harry, it has been an absolute pleasure both getting to know you, me stealing all of your sales tactics and tools today. I feel so fortunate to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast. I love the energy, Mickey. Keep uh, helping us to hustle less, do things the right way and enjoy our lives along the journey. Mm, I will do my best. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.